And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 377. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris, and this is the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. I think it's probably the only Thor podcast period nowadays. I think the other one has stopped. Anyway, uh, so here we are in the midst of coronavirus terror yeah, still more. Um, sorry about that, folks. Well, sorry that there's a lot of stupid people in this country who don't seem to want it to get any better uh, because they think it's a hoax. Yeah, because there's so many stupid people here. Anyway, getting off my soapbox, at least for a little while here, and getting on to something more pleasant, which is why we're all here. And by the way, it's a beautiful 75-degree summer day Pleasant outside. I actually was outside a little bit earlier playing a little bit of Pokemon. And yeah, you know, getting out of the, the apartment sometimes does a lot for my mood, <laughs> you have to say. Anyway, without any further ado, we have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 406. July of 1989 was the cover date. 75 cents was the cover price. Cover art is by Ron Friends, inked by Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor, and he's standing near Wondegore on a mountainside. Wondegore, yeah, Wondegore's always been in the mountains, hasn't it? I do believe so. It is in the Alps, as I recall. Anyway, uh, Thor is standing on a mountainside, and he is uh, being... Uh, attacked by a missile which is heading straight for him and is about to hit him as he is standing on the mountainside. I am pretty sure that this scene does not appear within the issue, but that's kind of normal for this run anyway. So anyway, uh, beautifully drawn cover here, um, and it is very dynamic, I must say. Uh, very nice-looking cover at, overall. I'll open up to the splash page. The title of the story is The War with Wonder Gore. And it was written, plotted, and drawn by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Joe Stinnett was the inkers, finished art, embellisher, etc. Michael Heisler was the letterer. Max Scheel was the colorist. And the editor was Ralph, not the Karate Kid, Machio. And the splash shows Thor. And he is uh, being watched through a, a view screen in Wondegore. Uh, their, their version of the cosmic voyeuroscope uh, by the Knights of Wondegore. And you can tell that they're knights because they're all wearing this sort of super futuristic, almost Galactus-looking armor. And uh, one of the guards says, The computer is locked on to target, my lord. And uh, the mongoose, of course, is there. One of the uh, guards, the knights or whatever, they're saying, Have you gone insane, mongoose? 
Why are you attacking the Thunder God? I am merely obeying your orders, sir. You informed me that you needed more Asgardian tissue samples for your studies. I'm about to secure all the samples you could ever use. Fire! And he orders them to fire a missile, and it says that uh, even as the command is obeyed, the mighty Thor continues to streak towards the hidden mountain retreat. He's not streaking. He is wearing all of his clothes. Anyway, um, a spark plug flies out of Wondergore Mountain. This looks absolutely nothing like the missile on the cover, but it is supposed to be the missile on the cover. So anyway, it's flying towards him, and it looks for all the world like a car spark plug. Anyway, uh, (laughs) and Thor says, "'Tis as I suspected. Mongoose deliberately lured me here to the spectacular laboratory, which is called Wondagore by its inhabitants, uh, because he has to, you know, tell us what's going on. Mayhaps he did so because he foolishly believes that yon approaching missile possesses greater power than the son of Odin. And we have uh, Thor standing on uh, top of a mountain peak, and the missile gets closer, closer, ever closer. And it has definitely changed shape because by the time it it reaches him, it doesn't look anything like a spark plug. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that this sequence of panels was cribbed from an old Kirby issue, though I don't think it was a missile that was heading towards Thor at that point, but uh, it's pretty darn close. Anyway, Mongoose has much to learn of the God of Thunder. He callously abducted Eric Masterson, a mortal whom Thor calls friend. He brutally threatened Kevin, Masterson's young son, and he contemptuously left a clue which was designed to lead me here. By the gleaming spires of Asgard, Mangu shall pay for his insufferable arrogance and his manifold crimes. So swears the mighty Thor! And uh, while he's saying all of this, the missile is rapidly approaching, which means he was going so fast that, uh, yeah, because missiles are pretty fast, and so... It would have taken longer for... Yeah, yeah, you all know. Anyway, so the missile explodes as Thor strikes it, and there's a huge explosion. And from the control room in Wondegore, they just see a big explosion, and they think Thor has been destroyed. Detonation is confirmed, says Mongoose. Hurry, get out there and recover as much of his body as possible. And the knights go running off. We understand. The genetic secrets locked within his cell samples are far more precious than mere diamonds or gold. One of the guards is uh, thinking, Such insensitivity toward life is most distressing. Who would have thought that the master's noble work would sink so low? And this knight is walking past um, the holding cell where Eric Masterson is. And Eric Masterson is like, What's going on? Why won't anybody tell me what's happening? Because you are a mere pawn in this game of cosmic import, Eric Masterson, says the knight. But perhaps even a pawn has a right to some explanations, to some glimmer of knowledge which may help him to discern order amid the swirling chaos of existence. And, and as if the, uh, the dialogue wasn't Stanley enough, Eric Masterson says, Save the dime store philosophy, Jack. I'm just interested in facts. <laughs> Actually, he didn't quite say it like that because that's not the voice he If you don't mind, I'd like you to remove your helmet so that I can talk to you man to man. I am afraid that is not possible. And he takes the helmet off, and we see that it is not entirely human. Because that's what Eric Masterson says. He says, your face, it isn't quite human. That is because I am not human. I am a new man. 
a genetically accelerated miracle of Wondagore. I am Count Tagar, an old warrior past his prime, whose authority has been usurped by Mongoose. Is he also a new man? No, he is not truly one of us, even though he serves the same master. And we go into exposition mode here, and we're getting kind of an origin of the high evolutionary plus a little bit of what's been going on. This is not long after the Evolutionary War crossover event, which which took place in the Marvel annuals from the summer of, of 89 and or 88. I'm not sure, but which. But anyway, um, yeah, so we'll get a little bit more here in the exposition. Our master is the man known as the High Evolutionary, while working in his chosen field of science, he developed the genetic accelerator, but his achievement was not met with universal acclaim. And we have a scene of him showing off one of his machines, and other people are like, this is a mockery. Man has no right to tamper with evolution. Undaunted, he subjected his pet Dalmatian to the rays of his machine, and the result was a tragic success. And so you see a... Uh, spotted Dalmatian man who has apparently been shot by, by the sheriff and sheriff is saying, we thought it was some sort of wild beast. You shot him, you fools! As is uh, the high evolutionary, though he's not the high evolutionary yet at this point. Eventually he built Wendigore and created us new men, teaching us a code of honor and chivalry like the knights of old. And we see the high evolutionary like dressing his animal men up as knights and yeah, doing knight things. Recently, with the aid of his gatherers, eliminators, and purifiers, he embarked on a plan to accelerate the evolutionary thrust of the entire human race. We would have rushed man toward his final stage of development, because that's a thing in, in science. But something went wrong. Our master and the man-god called Hercules were evolved to the point of discorporation during their struggle. They vanished without a trace, says Eric, but they've got to be somewhere. Yes, and that is why this machine is scouring the universe in a constant search for them. But even if we find them, it may already be too late to save the world from the madness of Mongoose. And yes, so we shift scenes and we are at this precise moment, according to the caption, far across the universe in the distant constellation of Rigel, a strident voice suddenly rings out. Grand Commissioner, the earthquakes have started again. Do not waste my time with such obvious statements. Forgive me, Excellency. The seismograph indicates the tremors grow more violent with each new assault. Then it is only a matter of time before our entire command planet is in jeopardy. We must preserve this world at any cost. It is the control center for our entire race of star-spanning colonizers. I must speak with the scientist supreme at once. And we get a close-up here of the, uh, the Rigelians. Of course, they have these huge giant heads. And uh, they try in this, in this shot to make it look kind of more like the, the Jack Kirby drawn version of the Rigelians uh, because I, over time the heads had kind of shrunk over the years and here they're kind of trying to push it back towards the right size. They're still a little small for my taste, but yeah, they, they look more like Rigelians than they have for a long time. 
And the one guy is the uh, Rogelian elder who we've seen before. And he, you know he's the elders because he's got the fanciest helmet on his big old head. And the other guy is, well, he's a bad Asian stereotype from the looks of it. But anyway, uh, we see the, the, old, uh, advise, the old man. He's walking into some sort of a, a transmission device. And he says, activate the matter transmitter. I shall go to his private laboratory in the asteroid belt. The proper coordinates have been programmed, Excellency. And he steps through the doorway and uh, he goes into the office of an even older looking uh, Virgilian with an even more weird and ornate helmet. Except this one is uh, it's got a red helmet instead of a green helmet. And uh, he is the, the office of the Scientist Supreme, Your Excellency. I would have prepared a suitable reception if I'd known you were coming. The situation which brings me here is much too grave for us to be mired in useless formalities. Say no more, my friend. I have already managed to locate the source of terrible disturbances which threaten the very existence of our world. They are being caused by mysterious upheavals from deep within the black galaxy. It is as I feared... That area is the most dangerous and unexplored region in the entire universe. We have no choice. We must arm the Null Bomb. The Black Galaxy must be destroyed so that our world may live. Meanwhile, back on the planet Earth, uh, we're back in Wondegore. And you know, the Knights of Wondegore, they, they ride these flying like robot uh, horse things around. They, they're not really representative of horses but but you you mount them like a horse and so that like that's why we call them that they're the robot horses anyway they're flying around and the uh, knights are, are searching for thor's body and says this is most puzzling there is absolutely no sign of thor's body the missile was only supposed to kill him not obliterate him we must continue our search we dare not fail mongoose beware sensors indicate the rapid approach of Aye, and uh, the knight has his steed knocked out from under him, and with a cur bwash, Mjolnir comes flying out and destroys it. And of course, it's Thor. It's a thunder god. He's alive. Aye, the son of Odin lives still, says Thor, and he stands ready to battle for honor and justice. Circle him. We will disarm him with maneuver thirteen B. And apparently that involves steel cables, which uh, Thor says, Steel cables! Grasping my hammer. We see that happening. Well done. You have managed to secure his weapon. Not even the God of Thunder can withstand the combined power and superior technology of the Knights of Wondergork. Once we have separated Mallet from Masta, Thor shall be bound and delivered to Mongoose. And Thor is fighting against all this, and you know they, they've got these cables wrapped around his hammer, but it's not going to do them a whole lot of good, will it? Anyway, he's pulling back against the cables and pulling the uh, knights backwards. Truly, must ye all be mad to even attempt this foolish feat, says Thor. No force in the known universe can remove Mjolnir from the hand of Thor. Uh, it seems to me that it's happened a few times. Anyway, increased pressure. Our atomic steeds will supply us with all the raw power we need. He's only one, while we are many. Aye, only one, says Thor, but the right one. The strain is incredible, inconceivable. How, how can he continue to resist us? 
I am Thor, god of thunder and prince of eternal Asgard, now and forever. Mjolnir is mine. And he decides, uh, rather than trying to pull them back using the hammer, he decides to throw the hammer away, and he does that. He says, gaze in wonder at its awesome magnificence. And he hurls Mjolnir, which of course drags all of the, uh, the Knights of Wondegore off of their steeds. They're just flying around in the mountains. And you know, remember, Thor can control where the hammer goes, etc. And, and it's just kind of whipping them, like crack the whip style around and uh, apparently bashing them into the cliffs and all that. Tremble in fear at its unrelenting power, says Thor. To me, my faithful hammer, the battle is not yet over. And it, he has uh, kind of scraped all of the uh, knights off of the hammer. A lone rider still streaks towards us. Again, he's fully dressed, so I don't think it counts as streaking. And another warrior rises to join him. Surrender while yet ye may. The patience of Thor is not without limits. And uh, this is one of the, apparently one of the knights who got knocked off his steed. And he's like, no, we dare not fail. I strike for the glory of Wondegore and the honor of the high evolutionary. Thou dost strike in vain, says Thor. Behold how effortlessly I defect thy blast. And he is able to deflect the energy blast using his uh, hammer. And he ricochets it with a bathwoom into the steed of the, uh, the one guy who's still on his steed and knocks him off with a yay. Odds bud, the ricochet shattered yon flying steed. And uh, one of the knights is like, Sir Panther is doomed. He falls to a certain death. And Sir Panther is falling. Not so, ye warriors of Wondegore, says Thor. The god of thunder has a deep and reverent regard for the sanctity of life, even the death of an enemy. None need die this day. And Thor swoops down and grabs Sir Panther before he can hit the ground. And we shift scenes back to inside Wondegore, and we have Sir Tagar, and uh, he's still in the, the same room as the sort of a radar scope kind of thing, which is also the room that Eric Masterson is being held uh, prisoner in. Oh, it's called a Cosmetrack. All right. So he goes, at last, the Cosmetrack has found the high evolutionary. And Eric is thinking to himself, uh-oh, I've got a hunch things are about to get even crazier. The computer is triangulating the exact source of his signal, and no, no, it cannot be. He appears to be trapped within one of the deadliest, most inaccessible areas in the entire multiverse. We will never be able to rescue him unless... Dot, dot, dot. And we shift scenes back to outside, and uh, Thor has finished fighting with the Knights of Wondegore, and they are surrendering and bowing down to him. And um, they're saying, The battle is over, Thunder God. Honor forbids us to fight one as noble as you. We are yours to do with as you will. That, that sounds like an offer, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There's a buzzing noise coming from one of the steeds, and uh, Thor's like, What is that sound? An urgent message from Wondegor, says one of the knights. And so Tagar is, is on the radio to these other guys, and he's saying, This is Count Tagar speaking. Seize all hostilities and return to base at once. Bring the Thunder God with you. We desperately need his aid. And we see in the background, uh, there's a couple of guards and kind of lurking behind them is uh, the mongoose. And the mongoose is thinking to himself, what does that old fool think he's doing? Something new has obviously been added to the equation. 
I must slip away until I can better assess the situation. So he goes slipping away. And we cut to Thor bursting in the door. Count Tagar slammed the door open. You have much to explain. Why was I attacked? What is the reason for such treachery? Thou art a former comrade in arms, a friend who art elevated from the noble tiger. Why dost thou now act like the craven jackal? Calm yourself, old friend. The fault lies with Mongoose. He has vanished and a search is in progress. Behold, to prove my good intentions, I have already ordered the release of Eric Masterson. And Eric has been let out of his uh, cage. And uh, he's like, it's about time. Come on, Thor. Let's get out of here while we still can. No, Thor, you mustn't go. You alone have the power to rescue Hercules and the high evolutionary from a fate worse than death. Hercules, says Thor, I had heard that he had vanished from the mortal realm. Where is he? Where is Thor's friend? Our readings indicate that he and our master are lost somewhere amid the mysterious celestial anomaly known as the Black Galaxy. So he doesn't really need to say anything else. Thor immediately believes everything he says. To save his friend, the son of Odin would dare any danger. To the Black Galaxy shall I go. And as he says that, there's a, a ghostly image of Hercules appearing over his head. And you shall not go alone, Thunderer. It will be our privilege to accompany you. And so it's all the Knights of Wendigore, and they're raising their swords, uh, volunteering to go with. Eric Masterson is also there, and he's thinking to himself, I don't trust these guys, not one bit. And he speaks up, Listen, pal, I may not be much in the muscles department, but I think I'd better come along. You may need a friendly face if the going gets rough. Thy courage does mankind proud, mortal, says Thor. In truth it be for such as thee that Thor hath ever battled. But I cannot allow it. Too great is the danger. You needn't worry, Thor, says Count Tagar. We could quickly outfit the human in a nuclear-powered environmental suit, which can easily guarantee his safety. And uh, the mongoose is kind of lurking behind and uh, behind a doorway, and he's thinking to himself, Yes, and that guarantee will expire the moment you complete your mission. And we shift scenes, and we are back on Earth, and we're in the uh, the home of Eric Masterson. And Kevin and Susan are there, and Kevin's all upset and pouting, and he's got action figures and his uh, Thor hammer there as well. And Susan is saying, Brighten up, Kevin. I'm sure your father is all right. Thor wouldn't let anything happen to him. And uh, Eric uh, appears in, in an image, and he says, Listen to Susan, son. What the? Dad, Dad, is it really you? This is actually a very sophisticated holographic image. Everything's fine, but Thor and I still have some work to do. You're helping Thor? Too cool. Hey, Dad, know what? I love you. I love you too, son. You and Susan take care of each other. I'll return as soon as I can. And Susan's thinking to herself, Oh, Eric, I don't understand any of this. You're only an average guy. What are you doing in the company of gods? I'm so afraid, so terribly afraid, that our lives are never going to be quite the same again. And so Eric is done talking to, to Kevin. I guess he's feeling a little bit better now. And he gets on board the ship, and Thor's there, and the Knights one to gore as well. Thanks for allowing me to make that call, Tagar. Step off the projection platform, human. 
your battle armor awaits. And he gets into the armor, and it, it's very Kirby-ish, uh, sort of generic sci-fi armor. Looks almost like one of the sleepers that uh, Captain America fought back in the 60s. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's sort of a, this like high-tech suit, almost, I guess almost like Quasimodo. You remember Quasimodo? Anyway, uh, Masterson is like, wow, I could take on the Incredible Hulk and this baby. See, he is perfectly safe, says Tagar. He would be safer still if he stayed behind, says Thor. Forget it, Thor, says Eric. I'm going, and that's final. And we shift to uh, another room where there appears to be some sort of weird teleporter thing. The Knights of Wondegore and Eric and Thor are all, and I guess some of the, the flying steeds for the, for the knights are, are here on the platform. And I guess Count Tagar is not going, and he's like, I salute you, brave warriors. May victory be your destiny. Activate the stellar telejump now. And they do, and there's there's a giant beam, and it goes, or maybe it's like that old song. Once there was a thunder god. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. Um... So uh, they, they end up landing on a weird uh, Kirby-ish planet and uh, the knights are already on their steeds and flying around and they're saying, we made it, we reached the black galaxy. And Eric says, sheesh, I can't believe that crazy gizmo really zapped us across the universe. Many are the wonders of Wondegore, my friend, says Thor. Spread out. If Tagar's calculations are correct, our quarries are nigh. And they turn around and then they see something and Eric says, uh, Thor, it looks like they're a lot closer than we thought. But if the sudden meteor storm is of any indication, your friend is not real happy to see us. And uh, they're having like little planetoids pelted at them by a giant ghostly image of Hercules. So yeah, odds blood, says Thor. Hercules has become one with the very fabric of this galaxy. Next issue, the fate of Hercules in the high evolutionary, the return of an old friend, the startling appearance of a cosmic entity, and a stunning adventure deep within the living bioverse. And that is the main story from Thor number 406. Before we go into the tales of Asgard backup, here is a message from one of our friends. Hey, I'm Jen. And I'm Sean. We're here to tell you about our podcast, Worst Collection Ever. And this is the show where we tell you about the worst comic book collection in existence. And it just happens to belong to us. We have some of the worst comics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're bad. They don't, they're not worth anything. No good. Why do we Very own them? Bad. I own a number of issues of Terror, Inc. and Guy Gardner. Basically... We go around to local comic book stores and we buy everything we can out of dollar boxes. We tell you about the weird stuff in them. We tell you about stuff that's related to them. We go into tangents and we're very uninformed. So, Oh my God, totally. But totally check out our podcast because you'll hear us just talk and joke about Marvel books and DC books from God only knows when. That's right. It's our show. Worst collection ever. Every Tuesday on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Download, rate, subscribe, tell a friend. It'll be good and terrible, but good. 
And we continue on with the issue with the Tales of Asgard backup, uh, starring Thor and the Warriors 3. This is a continuation. Actually, I believe it's a conclusion of this little Tale of Asgard story. It's called Let There Be Life. Tom DeFalco was the writer. Tony DeZuniga was the illustrator. Michael Heisler was the letterer. Michael Rockwitz was the colorist. And Ralph Macchio was the editor. Starts out with Thor and company in a giant yellow submarine. Um, yeah, they all live in a yellow submarine. Um, it's not really a submarine, but it, I can't really describe it in any other way. <laughs> because it's kind of what it looks like. Um, sailing ship, spaceship, submarine. Yeah, anyway, it's yellow. And that's all that really matters for the joke. Anyway, having secured the services of Ulag, the Grand Enchanter, the God of Thunder, and his noble companions embark on a sacred mission for Imperial Odin, the liege lord of the Norse gods. And uh, because we have to have exposition, they all give exposition. We journey to a desolate, ravaged world, which was once ruled by a race of evil mortals, says Thor. So terrible were their crimes, so monumental their arrogance, that the heavens were forced to devastate the entire planet. Fear not, my prince. No matter what horrors await us, thou canst rely upon the flashing sword of Fandral and the merciless mace of Hogan. Hmm. I heard no mention of the legendary courage of Volstagg. Nor shalt you while sobriety rules. And uh, they are ra racing off, and Ulag, the, the enchanter, is there, and he's doing some sort of, of magic thing. Um, Thor and Volstagg standing there. Volstagg looking very thin here. Not looking very voluminous, I must say. Um, and Ulag is like, Be silent, all! How can Ulag concentrate on his conjuring when his ears are assaulted by such witless banter? And how can the rest of us be expected to breathe when we are being assaulted by thy foul and bitter brew, says Volstagg? Not since I was last subjected to my own wife's culinary catastrophes has Volstagg experienced such pungent aromas. From the looks of thee, methinks her cooking was not disastrous and no... Thou mayest speak true, wizard, says Hogan, but the time for talk is past. We are nearing our destination. Behold, yonder planet is completely covered with water. No trace of dry land can be seen. Actually, no trace of anything but a little bit of scribble can be seen on the surface. So we'll talk, talk about that at the end. Anyway, uh, Ulag is uh, going to give a speech here as he casts his spell. For untold centuries the storm clouds raged above this cursed world, and the heavens wept. Now that it has been purified of its evil race and cleansed of their terrible sins, Odin the Ever-Merciful has bid us to renew its cycle of life, he shouts, and there's uh, like streamers of, of mist and weird bubbles coming out of the cauldron and kind of shooting off into space. And there's um, like a big explosion in, in space and crashing down to uh, the planet and a bunch of smoke and fire and steam coming up. With a twig from Yggdrasil, the tree of life, to stir my brew, I call upon the mists of the unnamed mages. Let it grow and increase in size until it cloaks this world entire. And that's what we see, everything that's going on. 
below. And beneath that shadowy embrace, let the seas recede, let the mountains rise from the ocean's depths, and we see that happening. Let fragile islands grow into massive continents. Let the earth turn green with the promise of life. And in the years that follow, let that promise be fulfilled. A new day is dawning for this world. So be it. Thor and company are watching all this going on. And uh, Fandral says, What wonders are in store for this planet? What thrills and challenges await it? And Thor says, Mayhaps Odin in his eternal wisdom will allow us to view some of them, dashing one, and experience others. Tis most obvious that yon world holds a special place in thy noble sire's heart, says Fandral. Aye, says Thor, and methinks it sings to me as well. Would that I knew why. Thus did the cycle begin, and thus shall it end, and we see the planet in question. It is Earth, as the caption said, <laughs> and it looks very much like Earth does today. No plate tectonics on this planet. Anyway, that is the end of the story. Let's talk about the issue, and we'll start with the Tales of Asgard backup. It's dumb. Goes completely against Norse mythology, obviously. Goes completely against what really happened. So basically, Thor and the Warriors Three got together. They had to go get Ulag to come here and bring life to Earth. As a Tales of Asgard, it kind of fails. I mean, the original purpose of the Tales of Asgard was to tell the backstory. I guess this is backstory of a sort. I, I'm not going to take it as canon. I don't think it is canon, even, even with the other Marvel uh, t- tellings of the origin uh, of, uh, of people and Earth and all of that. Yeah, pretty poor. Um, artwork is okay. Some pages will actually look really good. I like this, this page of Ulag, and as he's creating everything, and he's, he's got his little cauldron there, and they've, yeah, that the little blast of, of magic going on in Earth. I mean, I kind of like the, the way that some of it looks. But a lot of it, like I've said in, in the past about, about the artwork for this Tales of Asgard backup, is that there's very little in the way of backgrounds. There's no background, almost no detailing. Some of the close-ups of the characters look pretty good, um, if, if a bit John Buscema-ish. But a lot more of it is just kind of dull and not very interesting. The design of their submarine spaceship sort of thing is not consistent from panel to panel. It's overly complicated like a lot of these things are. I'm not really sure if Dezuniga had any real sense of what this thing actually looked like. Uh, yeah, it was Clearly he didn't have a model or anything that he was working from because it's not very consistent. Uh, some of the drawings though are, are acceptable. Like the the mountains rising up from the from the sea. I mean, that those look pretty good, but but by and large, I'm not impressed by the artwork. There's some some truly awful uh, pictures here of of the you know grass growing on the land. It looks like he just really scribbled it in about 10 seconds. I mean, this is the sort of doodling that that I would do in in uh, boring meetings at work. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of that simple. 
Yeah, not real impressed by the tales of Asgard backup. Let's talk about the main story for a bit, um, which I have a somewhat better opinion of. Uh, so the whole setup has been made here of you know Thor and company. They have to go search for Hercules in the High Evolutionary, landing up in the Black Galaxy. Boy, is this awkward. Um, they say basically you know, the, the Black Galaxy is a place of evil. That's pretty racist. Anyway, so... Uh, Interestingly enough, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm making funny, of course, but there's, it's, it is a little bit cringy. I like the, the whole giant Hercules pelting planets and stuff at them, uh, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense for Hercules to be doing. I guess we'll find out more about that next time as we uh, go into the, uh, um, the next two parts of the story. There, we had two issues left in the story before we move on to something else. Yeah, so the, we'll, we'll get to the end of this uh, little bit anyway. Our artwork, generally speaking, pretty good. Uh, it looks like uh, Ron Friends is doing more of the penciling himself and, and Synod is doing more traditional inking as opposed to uh, just finishing everything over Friends. As the result of that, it's a little bit weird, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I'm not going to say too much bad about the art because the artwork, generally speaking, pretty pretty good. People look pretty good. I think Eric Masterson, uh, you know, has a nice consistent look. Thor, of course, looks good, as he always does. Uh, the Mongoose looks good. Knights of Wendigore uh, are always kind of a weird group of characters, so I don't really have a lot to say about them. Even Kirby couldn't really do the, them justice, and he, he invented them. Count Tagar, I kind of remember looking more animalistic than he does here. Here, it's almost like he's... Con continued to evolve they've made him look more human than he than he was before uh, because I kind of remember him as being a furry character he had a furry face now maybe that's the result of things that happened in the evolutionary war I didn't read the evolutionary war I thought it was a really poor series of of annuals um, and I only bought the annuals that were connected to the specific titles that I was buying at the time which was a precious few so yeah, I didn't really get anywhere near uh, a complete story. But anyway, uh, a couple little nit nitpicks here and there. Thor's hammer seems to vary greatly in size. Uh, again, we've had this happen in the past. Uh, Wondegore, very generic. I mean, I, it's about as generic as you can be. They get the outward appearance of it right, and I think that they cribbed from Kirby directly for this. I, I believe that where we have the... Uh, the first sight of, of Wondegore uh, on uh, page two, it, it is a direct copy from, from a Kirby uh, comic from, from, the, from the 60s. And of course, we have this uh, approaching missile thing, which I, again, I'm pretty sure that this is uh, taken directly from an old journey into mystery story. I, I'd have to go back and research it. And you guys know how I feel about research. I just don't have the time for that. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so I gotta say, pretty good on the story. I mean, I, I'll give it a solid C plus B minus for as far as the quality of the story. Whether that grade will go up or down is kind of just going to depend on what happens in the next couple of issues. And uh, all right, so that's about all I have to say about the issue. As always, folks, stay safe out there, wear your mask, socially distance, be sensible. I want to be able to travel at some point in the future, and the best way for that to happen is for everybody to do their part. That means you. 
That means me too. So if you see me without my mask, you, gotta, you get to yell at me. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there and you'll find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>